Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we're celebrating two baptisms at our Manchester outpost this past weekend. Our friends Cade and Joe both decided to respond to the Lord by following him in baptism. High five, you guys. We're celebrating how the Lord is working in your lives. In at number four, our Rutland outpost gathered at White's Pool, where they rented out the space to throw a summertime bash. They enjoyed pizza, popsicles, and even a DJ. High five, Rutland, to more times like these. Here at number three, registration for our fall semester of Rooted is open and people are already signing up. So now is your chance to embark on this 10 week discipleship journey with them. In walking through Rooted, you'll come to know God for his character, experience the power of prayer and discover freedom from life's strongholds. Visit church.one slash Rooted to sign up today and high five to strong roots in God's love. In at number two, students from One Church returned from a week-long trip to CIY, Christ in Youth Conference. They were amongst a thousand other students from all over who came to experience times of fun, worship, and studying God's Word together. Welcome home, you guys. We just know you had a blast. Praise God for His unconditional, unfailing love. And finally, up at number one, our Bedford Outpost is celebrating four baptisms this past weekend. High five to Max, Jackson, Johnny, and Willow. We're so excited for how God will continue to work in and through you. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. Yeah, we can give us, come on, round of applause, everybody. Baptisms as well. I think uh, this is probably going to be part of the, hopefully the high five next week. But uh, one of our volunteers, Angela, she helps out with kids downstairs. She's down there right now. She got baptized right before worship at the Wave on Wednesday. So excited to be celebrating that with her. She would hate that I mentioned it right now, by the way, on stage. But I was caught thinking, you know, I'm staring at, the, at these stained glass windows and I'm just thinking about the different moments of that light affects us in our lives. And maybe, I think some of you were here, the first worship service that we had in this building opening up this outpost. And it was still at the six o'clock service time. And right when the sun was setting over here to uh, your right, you could just see all the phones in the room come out as John Rose was giving the message, just starting to take pictures as we were mesmerized by the light coming through the stained glass window. Just reminded of that moment today, but then also thinking about the moments in our life where we've been affected by just pure darkness, like pitch black, dark, dark, can't even see the hand in front of your face type of dark. One moment in my life that I remember and will always recall was a time that my brother was up here visiting from Pennsylvania. He wanted to get one more hike in before he drove back down the seven hours down to the Philly region. He said, can we do it? Can we make it work? I said, I think we can do this one hike. The issue is we have to get to the trailhead by 5.30 in the morning. And he said, Luke, isn't it going to be dark by that time? Silly me said, no, I think we should be good. <laughs> Woke up the next morning at 4.45, still very dark. Then driving to the trailhead, still very dark as well. It was September. I don't know what I was thinking. And en route to the trailhead... We're driving through the woods back over in Alexandria. And I remember that 
bears are a thing that, we, that exist near us? Yeah. And then I start thinking, okay, black bear in the, in the dark woods, in the pitch black of night, uh, we're gonna have a hard time seeing those bears. Then we eventually get to the trailhead. Immediately upon opening the door, we hear, I kid you not, Franklin, a scream. A loud human-like scream, absolutely terrified. I later find out that barn owls have a scream that's very similar to human screams, but we did not know it at the time. So we start in on our hike in the pitch black and all that we have to illuminate our path between the two of us is one headlamp, <laughs> one single headlamp. And I even wore it like this so that he could see a little bit of the light in, you know, behind me and I could see a little bit of the path here. But then all of a sudden, this was all that we had to go off of. This was our reality. This is what we knew, just our headlamp bubble. Everything outside of the headlamp bubble was darkness and fear. Not only of the darkness, but what might be in the darkness as well. Every single snap of a twig, the wind rustling could have been some sort of nasty monster trying to come out and get us. And since him and I were in this situation together, and this was all that we had right here, we start to kind of rile each other up, thinking like, this is all that we have. I'm bringing him along with it. He's bringing me along for all the fears that he has as well. This is our complete understanding with this own light that we're existing in, the light that we are in control of, the only light that we had between the two of us. But the great thing about Jesus and the light of Jesus is in John chapter eight, he says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, instead of light on our terms, instead of darkness that is then on our terms as well, Jesus cuts through the darkness. Even in the darkness that, that is self-made, or maybe darkness that other people have created for ourselves or the darkness that then we try to put other people into, Jesus cuts through all of that. Because here's the thing, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done and no matter what's been done to you, the light of Jesus is for you and not against you. Even if you've fallen victim to people, maybe even within the church, trying to exclude you from the light of Jesus, Maybe we've been guilty of it ourselves as well, that we think you gotta look a certain way, you gotta dress a certain way, talk a certain way, be in a certain tax bracket, be presentable in this sort of way, and then the light of Jesus can be for you. But that's not sharing the light of Jesus. All that's doing is it's bringing other people into your own headlamp bubble and trying to put darkness on them instead of light. Amazing thing is, is that Jesus has come for all of us. That light is for all of us. We're in our second week of this new sermon series, Hi, My Name Is, where we are looking at the I am statements found in the Gospel of John. And our memory verse for this series is the first time that we see that phrase, I am, Yahweh, name reserved for God. It is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. So we continue to try to learn this verse together. It's up on the screen behind me. So let's say it together this afternoon. It says... God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, no matter if we are in this 
headlamp bubble created by ourselves or headlamp bubble created by other people. This verse reminds us that Jesus is coming for you. Jesus is coming for you and he's here to change your life. Because you see, Jesus gives sight to the blind. When we're in that, this light that we only have for ourselves, there's gonna be areas of our life that we are blind to that we don't know about or we don't fully comprehend. And we can find ourselves getting mad at ourselves for this. Has this ever happened to you where you're wondering, why do I keep doing this? Why does these keep happening? How can I not fix this one area? It might be because we're blind to it, but you see Jesus gives sight to the blind. But then it can also go for the other people in our lives as well. Do we get frustrated with people for a blind spot that they have in their life? Why don't they know this? Why don't they figure it out? It should be so simple. It's staring them right in the face. Now that's a blind spot. It's the definition of it, but the beautiful thing is Jesus gives sight to the blind. So that light, the true light that exists, not our own little headlamp bubble, that light illuminates for all to see. And now there is sight to the blind. So we are in the Gospel of John today, chapter 9, starting right at verse 1. It says this, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Sort of the, the, the hot topic of the day. What people love to focus on, the Jewish people and the Pharisees, they love to focus on this idea of legalism where you had to follow the strict moral code to then gain righteousness rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thinking that if you did X, if you did these right things, then you would be blessed or you were shown favor upon. But if you did Y, why would you do that? Then surely there's gonna be hardship and ache and worry, sort of you get what you had coming to you. So the disciples here are continuing on with this idea of legalism. They're looking for somebody to blame. We're often looking for people to blame. Somebody gets in a car accident, what does the insurance company want to know? Well, whose fault was it? If your sports team loses, big football game is lost, all right, whose fault was it? Was it the quarterback? Was it the coach? Who are we to blame? Who are we mad about on the sports radio this week? Then other things can happen. A company folds, whose fault was it? A relationship crumbles, a marriage fails, whose fault was it? We're looking for the blame game. And so the disciples here are right in the middle of that blame game. They say, well, who sinned here? Whose fault is it? Was it the man? What did this guy do? What did this guy do wrong that he had this coming? Surely he did something that karma was catching up to him. If it wasn't the man, then surely it was his parents, which is even worse. Because this guy, this blind man, he's not controlling what his parents did. He's just born into it. Then when you adopt that language that it's because of my parents that then you are in this situation, then we are accepting the truth that we think it is that this inheritance of only curses is what follows us, that this is our life, this is our identity, this is what came before me, and it's going to be what comes after me. But Jesus' answer cuts through both of those, and his answer cuts to the point and might be a little bit unsettling because it says this, See, it happened so the works of God might be displayed. 
happened so the works of God might be displayed, which blows our mind. Because in our headlamp bubble, we exist within what's fair. We want things to be fair. We want the scales to be even. We only know things as fair. But here's the truth about Jesus. Jesus doesn't work in fair, and thank goodness for that. If Jesus worked in fair, then none of us would be able to call ourselves children of God. None of us would exist within the grace of God. None of us would know the peace and the understanding and the love and the immense joy that comes from our Savior. So thank goodness that Jesus doesn't work on fair. Instead, Jesus works on glory, his glory. It's a glory that we can look to, a glory that we can know. It might not make too much sense because, see, we're, we're a little bit scared. We're scared because it doesn't make sense when it falls into what's fair, what's not fair. And since we're scared, we're scared because we're blind. That we only see this headlamp bubble that we are making for ourselves. So we're blind, but through Jesus, we don't have to be blind. So there's some beautiful opportunities for illumination that comes through the glory of Jesus. The first for this man, it's gonna be his physical struggles. God's glory is going to be illuminated in his physical struggles. That's so hard. Because we go through so many intense medical struggles and physical struggles, and we just can't look past them. It's set up in a way where it takes up all of our time, all the phone calls to doctors and all the phone calls to insurance companies, all these different things that wears us down. How can God's glory be illuminated in those things? I want to share a story from my life, and I understand that it's my story, and I'm thankful for it. I am. When I was 17 years old, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder, and the doctors told me that my life was never going to be, quote, normal from this point out. My life was going to be managing this illness from this point out. I would never live that, quote, normal life. I was in the hospital for three weeks. I lost about 60 pounds. They did not know what was going on. But then through people's prayer and through the glory of God, you can see that I'm living that normal life. Though if you talk to me, you'd be like, Luke, you're not that normal. And I would say, yes, fair, fair, fair. But you see, God's glory was shown through that, and I'm thankful for it. And here's why. Because still every eight weeks, I have to go and get treated for this illness. So every eight weeks, I go to the same place, and I see the same person, and I get to talk to them about what Jesus is doing in my life, in the life of the church, in the life of the city of Franklin. So at one church, we pray for one. We say, God, please give me one person to share your love with. And the thing that we think might be a burden in our lives, God's using that for glory. Here's this one person right here that God's light is being illuminated through what I first saw as a burden. This man has other areas of his life that are gonna be illuminated through the glory of Jesus. Relational struggles, he was a burden to his family. Financial struggles, he was begging. Emotional struggles, where he thought that this was his identity. Whether it was his fault or the fault of his parents, that's gotta be an emotional toll. Thinking he's stuck with this blindness because of something that he did. But Jesus illuminates all these situations and his glory is shown through the midst of our darkest struggles. See, Jesus can come in and change everything because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus continues on here in John chapter nine. 
He says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. This is an amazing story that gives us a look into the light of Jesus. First, that the light of Jesus is urgent. There is an urgency there. This man was blind. He needed to see. He needed to have his life turned around. And Jesus saw that urgency and he stepped into it. So let's look about our lives. All right, there is an urgent need for the light of Christ in our life and for the life of those around us. We talk about this. We talk about pray for one. God, please give me one person to share your love with. And we do that with the expectation that God wants the most people in his kingdom in the shortest time. See, that light that Jesus was talking about, it was there in the world while he was doing his ministry, but it's still here today as well. That light is through us. The only thing is we don't know when that night time is coming. We're not going to know the day or the time. So while we're still here, let's keep on moving with an urgency. Let's move with that urgency because the light of Jesus is relevant. There are real needs out there in our world that we know about. Just the ones that we know about. We know that there's problems with addiction. We know there's problems with homelessness. We know there's anger. We know there is hunger. We know there is fear. And we might be stuck in a place where we don't know where to start. So here's what can just be relevant right away. Every one of us can do this. Everybody can use this in your next interaction with whoever it is, your coworker, your spouse, your mom, your dad, doesn't matter. Let's just try this. Let's just try being nice. Let's just try being nice. Let's try being loving to one another. Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's try it out a little bit because people are gonna notice it. People are gonna notice when you don't join in in the gossip and you don't join in on the Facebook posts about what everyone's upset about that day. But your coworkers are gonna notice when you don't badmouth your boss. Your people in your lives are gonna notice when you just try to lead with the love of God. I promise you right off the bat, that's gonna change some things up. The light of Jesus is urgent, it's relevant, it is incarnate meaning that we are now existing as these physical representations here on earth of the light of God. It's not our light. Our light is this little headlamp bubble. This is all that we got, and we're trying to bring other people into it. The light of Jesus is illuminating everything around us, every single crevice, the darkest corners of the world. That light of Jesus is reaching that. It's not our light, it's his. And that light is effective. This man, he went and he was healed. And I know that there's stories in this room where the light of Jesus did something amazing. The light of Jesus changed your life. And you're going in the other direction now. You were going in your own headlamp bubble, but now you see the true light. And that story happened to you? You got a story to share? Then share it. I guarantee there's people in your life that need to hear about that light as well. When you think about 
how Jesus performed this miracle? First of all, I love it because here's why. He spit into some dirt. He spit in the dirt, he made some mud, and then he put it on the guy's eye. Now, Jesus was fully God and fully man. So he knew that this guy was really blind. But I think that Jesus did this this way to prove to everyone else that this dude was indeed blind. Because if you were faking it, you know, if you were just faking it and some guy comes at you with spit mud, you'd be like, oh, never mind, never mind. Whoa, holy, oh, oh I'm healed. Wow, amazing. No, he, he was fully, not only Jesus did it in that way, But then he invites the guy to step into it as well. He says, go and wash. There is this action required for the man to be healed. See, I think Jesus does this here because it shows that Jesus' light shines through us, that Jesus shines through us. We are, Jesus is the light of the world. And we talked about while we are still members of the family of God, that we have that Holy Spirit residing in us, then we have that spirit with us as well. We have that light with us as well, and it's not going to go anywhere. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That light's with us. We carry that light together. Nighttime is not here right now. We're existing in the day. We're existing in that light of Jesus. So let Jesus shine through you. To continue in the story, word starts spreading about this individual. His neighbors... And those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it in my eyes. See, I don't think he knew it was spit. He just said he made some mud, he put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Why doesn't he know? Because when he first met Jesus, he was blind. He then wandered down to this pool, went in, and now could see. He doesn't know where Jesus is. When I left him, I couldn't see. Now I can. See, this story of the once blind man the now seeing man, so I guess we could just call it the story of this normal guy, is incredible. And as I think it's a story that we can showcase in our lives as well, and here's why. So after this happened, people weren't too happy about it. Specifically the Pharisees, the religious leaders weren't too happy that this happened, because everyone knew this guy. Everyone saw this man, this blind man, this once blind man begging in the streets. They knew him. They recognized him. Now, all of a a sudden, he's been healed, and he's going around saying that Jesus did it. And the Pharisees did not like Jesus too much. So they brought this once blind man into the synagogue to question him. They said, who did this? Who did this to you? How did he do it? He says, I don't know, but it was Jesus. And they don't really believe him. They want to get to the bottom of it. So they bring in the guy's parents. And they say, was this man actually blind from birth? Their response is this. 
This man is of age. Ask him yourself. In other words, good luck, kid. You're on your own. Because nobody wanted to be a part of this whole Jesus thing. They knew that the leaders were upset with him. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus. So the Pharisees ask him again. This man, on his own, it seems, they say, who did this? How did Jesus do it? Who is this Jesus? He says, I don't know, but I know one thing for certain. I was blind, and now I see. That he knew for certain. Here's a man that the Pharisees had pegged said, this was his story. This man did something wrong. Now he's living out his consequence. They wrote him off. And now he's standing in front of them as a man who can see, claiming that Jesus did it. So what'd they do? They kicked him out of the synagogue. They kicked him out of the church because he was living a life that was outside their headlamp bubble. So here's this man now. His life just turned completely in the other direction. His life turned completely upside down. He's been cast out the place of, of faith. And who greets him? It's Jesus. Jesus greets him, and for the first time, this man, this man gets to worship his Savior, seeing him fully. Now, I said that this man's story can be our story because before any of that happened, what did he do? Jesus said, go and wash, and the man went and washed. Jesus is inviting us into the light that he has for us. Jesus is inviting us to be and exist in that light of the world, but we have to take that step to go and wash and see for the first time. I shared that story of, of me and my brother going out. And when we realized we didn't need our headlamps, or at least that our headlamps were doing no good, when we realized that we were just existing in our own headlamp bubble, see, the moment that we realized that is when we stepped out of tree line and into the full light of day, where everything around us was now in the light of day. Everything that we thought we were scared of was shown its true colors within the light of day, even us ourselves. See, we were existing in that full light of day, completely engulfed by it. Everything around us and ourselves as well. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into as well. Saying to go and wash and exist fully in his light and his glory. Every time that we come together and celebrate communion, it's saying yes to that light that Jesus has for us. It's acknowledging everything that Jesus did for us, not against us, so that we can be completely engulfed in that light as well. It says that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is my new covenant, my promise to you in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me to the king.
tell you what, this light that Jesus has for us, him being the light of the world, is nothing but good news. This light is for you, not against you. If you feel like you're in a time right now where all you see is darkness, that you just can't get out of your own headlamp bubble, need prayer, need encouragement, people to come alongside and say, no, see, once you're in that light of Jesus, you're not going anywhere. I'd love to pray with you throughout these next couple songs or after service as well. But also today, here's an opportunity to step into that light fully, to go and wash, to put to death the old self, self that's just insisting on just understanding the light that only we can see. Put that life aside and instead look to the light of Jesus Christ. Celebrate that gift of baptism today going and washing, being made new creations, existing fully in the light of Jesus for all time. Would you stand as we close in prayer? Lord, what a joy it is to exist fully in your light. Lord, what a joy it is to exist in the light that is for us, a light that we get to just bask in and just be in your grace and your glory that is illuminating all the different struggles in our lives. Lord, we ask for the strength and the persistence to get out of our own light of bubble that we got going on and instead see fully the true light of the world that you are. Lord, if we are here today, we need prayer. We need encouragement. Lord, strengthen our hearts to encourage one another, but then also seek out those encouragements as well, seeing that we're not alone in the light. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who's deciding today is the day to be baptized into your family and into your light, that they take that next step. Thank you, Lord. It is in your name we pray. Amen.
is our brightest hope for tomorrow. And I think about Yahweh in the book of Genesis, when the first thing that he speaks over the earth is what? Let there be light. Let there be light. And if it's important to him that there be light over this earth, oh, let it be important to us, God. Let it be so important to us that we would shine your light in the darkest of places, we pray. In Jesus' name, let us go. Would you give us one person to share your love with? In the name of Jesus, amen? Amen. Amen. Have a great week, church. We love you.